It's 13 minutes past 11. That song is called Solomon Mahlangu, as you clearly could hear. And the musician who did the song is called Konai. So April 6, right, is one of the most significant historical days in the history of our country. Uh, you know, the unjust execution of MK Keda Solomon Kalushi Mahlangu happened on this day, the 6th of April in 1969. But... It's also the day Jan van Riebeck landed at the Cape in 1652. It is also the day that the Pan-Africanist Congress, the PAC, was formed. And with all of these, uh, you know, in mind, we're wanting to have a conversation with David Lizualo. Uh, David calls himself uh, a Sankarist, but we also know he's an activist and he's a law academic. He's written an article, a very moving article, by the way, where he talks about the loss of the conscience of black leaders. One of the things he says that is that it's only through our consciences that we can bring about meaningful transformation on our journey to true liberation after the disappointment that followed the post-independence Africa and indeed the post-apartheid South Africa. David Lezuelo Sankarist, activist, law academic, thank you, by the way, for your time. Where were you mentally when you penned this moving article? Good morning, KG. I, I didn't expect you to ask me that question. I think I was in a serious uh, mental distress uh, when I when I wrote that article. Um, I think it was uh, sometimes last year, and uh, and all this is precipitated by the challenges and the complacency, and the idea that um, our people, particularly black leaders, are veering off or drifting away from the mission of uh, liberation. And the song that you played uh, actually rattled me in that it actually summarizes the kind of uh, pressure, tension, and uh, disappointment, if not the anguish that um, one was feeling at the, at the time. So looking or listening to that song basically summarizes this conversation. We can actually pack and go mm. because uh, the emotions, um, unapologetically expressed thereby do summarize uh, the whole frustration that black people are, are, are facing. But at the center of it all, in, indeed, as you said, is the, the loss of conscience. And therefore, we have a very, very, very serious task at hand to raise the level of consciousness and try to go back to the center as Africans to go back to our roots and ask ourselves, what was the struggle about? Why, why did our people, our heroes and martyrs, pay the ultimate price? And if they did, and as we know they did, was it uh, worth it if you look at what is happening today? So there are so many uh, you know, frustrating and hurtful experiences that the post-1994 society has uh, you know exposed you know about uh, black leadership uh, as as it were issues of betrayal or even selling out uh, the the ideals of the freedom struggle come uh, to to the fore. So I believe that uh, we need 
uh, an honest conversation and a frank talk when dealing or engaging in the discourse of uh, freedom in the post-1994 uh, dispensation because it's full of um, idyllic sentiments and fantastical, you know, overtures that actually lull um, our, our vigilance and actually, you know, papers over the cracks, the ugly cracks of oppression that persists in, the, in this post-1994 society. Therefore, in my book, I would like to refer to this kind of society as rather as the post-1994, uh, you know, apartheid state, if you like, because apartheid has not ended. So instead of saying post-apartheid is a fallacy, so we, we rather talk about a post-1994 apartheid state, uh, if, you are, if you are frank um, about our uh, condition and existence as a Black people. However, for those that have benefited or assimilated to the privilege and white privilege uh, as such, those co-opted by BEE arrangements and things like that, they might not see the pain that we are operating from because they have tasted the cheese through the politics of the stomach. And uh, that actually misleads uh, the, the pain of the majority and also a betrayal of the likes of Solomon Matango, Chris Hani, Steve Biko, Robert Magaliso Sobuke, and so on and so on. So April 6th, for me, should have been considered the very, very first holiday in the calendar of uh, the post-1994 uh, society, because it is the, a marker of what we refer to as the original scene, because it indicates when the, the scene took place, that is April 6, 1652. And I also want to commend the Pan-Africanists and Africanists who were in the ANC at the time in the 50s for actually exposing this uh, trajectory that we, we need to stick to the ideal of the conquest that we, might, we have to appreciate the fact that the whole struggle is about the conquest and the invasion by white settlers in 1652. So when the Africanists decided to move out of the ANC to stick to Pan-Africanism, uh, and also choose the, the date 6 April um, 1959 to symbolically send a message of reversal to reverse the, the damage caused by the three ships that uh, landed in 1652. I think that's co commendable and need to salute the legs of uh, Robert Mangalisosobuke for that. And uh, as we have also said, the intersection continues in, uh, on this date 6, 6 April 1979 when the, the white settlers, the Boers uh, in, uh, in the apartheid uh, South Africa, decided to nourish the tree of oppression and apartheid by hanging and killing the you know, Solomon Kalusi Matango. They deliberately chose this particular day to, to nourish and uh, perpetuate and sustain the, the triumphant and uh, vindictive, as well as the, you know, the the idea of dominance and white supremacy that manifested itself on April 6, 1650, um, 1652. So these three points that intersect summarize the pain and the importance of this particular day. You can only ask yourself, why is this day not a, a critical uh, holiday in, in, in South Africa? Because that is 
a marker of the the beginning of the pain and suffering of black people in terms of the land dispossession and many many other uh, other issues just just to to conclude on this point um, in the kg it's interesting that the the Afrikaners or the Boers honored that particular day in their in their society by calling it uh, Jan van Riebeck's day in 1952 and then changed it to a founders day to entrench the idea that they are the ones who founded this country when they changed that uh, that name to a founders day in 1980 come 1994 the 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 black leaders um, in 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 the post 1994 arrangement ignore this important point because once we have this day as a, a holiday it will remind the settlers of where they came from and when they came to this country and it will also remind us of the pain and the origin of the pain and uh, land dispossession and conquest that we uh, we experienced as the people as the natives of this land on april 6 1652 so you know this uh, what you refer to as the post nineteen ninety four apartheid system or or what is uh, commonly known as a democratic South Africa. One of the things that you talk about in uh, your article is that we need uh, a leadership that has a conscience. Uh, but these are the same people that you say uh, you know uh, are not in touch with what happens on the ground because they benefited and are enjoying, you know, a privileged lifestyle. So when you talk of leaders with a conscience, because somebody can easily say, ah, conscience, we all have a conscience. Uh, You know, there's a point at which we all know I did wrong, I did right. uh, And, you know, and and people will still do bad things. What are the, you know, characteristic of this conscience that you are saying, particularly black leaders need to have? What, What would it look like how would it manifest how would a leadership with a content with a conscience uh be uh and how would they conduct themselves and what would society look like if we had a leadership with a conscience not just a leadership that has benefited and are enjoying the privilege of what you are referring to as the post-1994 apartheid system I mean, it's it's simple. I think any any leader, black leader in Africa and and South Africa specifically, uh, who who may who may pretend not to know what uh, a principled and ethical and seven leadership is, then that's a fake leader. And of course, we do have a lot, plenty of fake leaders in this society. So here is a a, a point. Did you know, uh, for instance, that uh, Amilcar Cabral uh, and uh, Fra- Franz Fanon did warn us of the problem of the so-called post-independent uh, Africa or post-independent uh, African state in that the danger of the so-called post-independent African state or in our case the post uh, so-called post-apartheid state is that the leaders want to emulate they become the best students of the templates and attitudes of whiteness and white power and white supremacy in that they perpetuate exactly even if not even worse things than what the the oppressors or white oppressors did so the the suffering that you experience in a, a so-called post 
1994 society or a post-independence African state is exactly what white people would have uh, or the colonialists would have actually uh, done. What has changed basically is the occupancy of office rather than the substance uh, and content of leadership. So we continue uh, in that. For instance, who stays in the union buildings today is a black leader. But then what is happening on the ground is the same thing that was there you know, pre-1994, just as an example. Mm. Second point I want to indicate is that we don't have to go any far. We don't even have to cross the, the seas to look for a template of a good, conscientious uh, servant leadership. There is the best example in Africa, for instance, by the leadership shown by Thomas Sankara in, in Burkina Faso to say, you know, you have to be principled as a leader and also uh, serve the people and forget about, uh, you know, your own stomach, forget about your own self-aggrandizement, forget about serving your friends and relatives. In fact, Sankara risked his life uh, by even uh, alienating his own friends who ended up killing him because he was principled. Mm. So we should know by now that a principle, any principle is dangerous and is, is risky. Mm. So even in this society, being principled in South Africa I can tell you that it might be, in fact, it is a dangerous uh, route to take. So there are so many people who are trapped in cowardice who don't want to risk their livelihoods and all and, and all that. So Solomon Matangu, Stephen Biko, Robert Subuku, they did not pontificate about suffering and being afraid of, you know, they, they'll be killed. They knew that they were going to be killed and died for the cause so that it is better to die for a good idea rather than, you know, to live for a bad idea, just to paraphrase Steve because as an example. But of course, this is what uh, Sankara actually articulated and many other truthful uh, leaders in our continent. So coming to the issue of what in, what are the pointers of this conscience, I, I, I'll just give you contradictory examples of mm. Lo, le, mm. lack of principle. Yeah. How do you, how do you sing uh, the song Solomon in the struggle? And then you go on to sing this theme mm -hmm. at the same time. The same mouth that sings Solomon, yo, Solomon. That very same mouth goes on to sing this theme. Mm -hmm. the, the, same, the same mouth that sings Solomon goes on to protect the statue of Paul Kruger in the Pretoria CBD, for instance. Mm -hmm. the, same, uh, the same mouth that sings Solomon goes on to kill the, the people in Marikan. The same mouth that sings Solomon blocks the expropriation of land without compensation. The same mouth that sings Solomon goes on to consort with white monopoly capitalism. The same mouth that sings Solomon, you know, goes on to hug Dietlerk when Dietlerk says apartheid is not a crime against humanity. So what kind of servant leadership principle conscience do you experience from such a, a contradictory you know, uh, uh, para, you know, some, some, some paradoxical kind of leadership that we experience in the post-independence uh, or the post-1994 society. So it's very, very painful. And this day and the song that you played touches my, my heart and I'm very much emotional about it. And I hope that uh, our people, the whole nation can see what you are experiencing as black people in this society.
Just in case you just joined us, we are in conversation, uh, really an amazing conversation uh, with David Lizualo. David Lizualo uh, wrote an article and in that article, he, uh, you know, uh, he talks about, uh, you know, the collapse of uh, South Africa exposing the loss of the conscience of uh, black leaders. If you're asking yourself who David uh, Lizualo is, he's a Sankarist, he's an activist, he's a law academic, and we we have this conversation today, the 6th of April, because it is one of the most significant historical days in our country, uh, you know, and and uh, we premise and uh, start by remembering the unjust execution of MK Keda, Solomon Kalushi Matangu, uh, but uh, also because history has no blank pages. We also remember it's the day that Jan van Riebeck landed at the Cape in 1652, but we also have to be cognizant of the fact that it's the day that the PAC, the Pan-African Congress was formed and uh, you know, uh, he wrote this article last year as he said and he's talking about the loss of the conscience of black leaders and and one of the things he says is that it's only through our consciences that we can bring about meaningful transformation on our journey to true liberation after the disappointment that follows the post-independent Africa and the post-apartheid South Africa. In fact, he refers to the era that we're in as the post-1994 apartheid system. We'll open the lines for you to engage him also if you want on 86 2032 and the WhatsApp line 61 But for now, we pause for news headlines. Dino Mutawung is standing by. It's 11.31. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Welcome back. It's uh, 11.32. You're listening to SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. And we've invited your calls to engage David Lizualo, a Sangarist, an activist and a law academic. And uh, we're quizzing him on an article that uh, he wrote last year. And uh, we have a caller in Ntlantlangiti in Guazul Natal. Good morning, Ntlantla. Welcome. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. Hi. Yes, I can hear you. Hi, and good morning to your guests. Um, yeah, you speak to Tatangit from Kambatun um, in Gwazi. Um, uh, first of all, yes, it is the day when the PC was formed. And uh, speaking of, uh, of uh, qualities of leadership uh, that we, we, we actually uh, don't have now in, in African people's leadership, uh, there is a quote that says, uh, <clears throat> where Sobuge speaks of uh, the qualities of leadership, and he speaks of the of the leaders' uh, uh, total love for for the people that he, he, he leads. I think that's where uh, the current uh, crop of leadership is actually uh, lacking. They, they, they don't they don't seem to have the, the total love for the people that they claim to be leading. Instead, they have a lot of love for the wealth, uh, accumulation of wealth, and uh, association with uh, so-called uh, investors, whom I actually regard as looters, really. They're not investors. There's nothing that they bring here. They take more than they, they bring anything here. So, yes, uh, that's where we're really short of. And uh, uh, secondly, it's very strange now that uh, you find that the kind of leadership that has been praising the kind of uh, of the settlement that was brought in in, in 1994 it is actually that's when the tables are changing for them. 
when they find themselves on the wrong foot of the current dispensation. They suddenly seem to talk the very same language of the PAC, the very same language of Sobuwe, the very same language of the land the repossession. Yet in 1994, they were ridiculing the PAC and saying, the PAC, all they talk about is the land, uh, the racist movement. All of a sudden now, the, the likes of uh, even advocate uh, uh, Kakane recently, uh, uh, the likes of Zuma, uh, they, 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 they are trend is really changing. It, it's becoming <laughs> like that of the PAC, very strange. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Africa, for, 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 your, for your talk today. Hi, this is Daniel Joshua Tallon. Have we really got freedom? Looking at the calling ourselves black, 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 black. Indians, whites, and colors were classified as blacks, and the whites were whites. And they placed us into different boxes. The two boxes were changed to four boxes as whites, Indians, colors, and uh, Africans. And yet we still use the title that was given to us by the apartheid government calling ourselves blacks. We are South African citizens as such. We are a rainbow nation. We are born in South Africa. We are citizens of South Africa. And therefore, we should be called South Africans and not blacks. And if we hold on to that, we are still holding on to the things of the past. And we are holding on to what the government of the past has classified us in. Why are we holding on to that? Let us liberate it and be free of that and be called South African citizens. And then we can work together as citizens of this country, not as blacks, Indians, whites, and coloreds. Thank you and God bless you. Good morning, Kechi. How are you? I, I, I concur with your, with your panelists there. If you can check, the ANC sold us, sold us out completely. Not going far. Check the day that they say it's a, it's a freedom day or uh, the, the Shabville day. They changed it to Human Rights Day so that our kids and our and the people should forget about what the, the whites did to the black people. 
Thank you for your voice notes. Uh, There's uh, some questions that were also uh, asked that I will read a little later. And uh, I don't know, maybe I think I should allow uh, David Litzalo, the Sangarist activist and law academic, who's been so generous with his time uh, to share with us why he wrote the article about the collapse of South Africa, exposing the loss of the consciences of black leaders. Do you want to respond to the calls and the WhatsApps that have come through and I'm sure you like that song, uh, David. You know, I don't know uh, how you chose these songs that you're playing today because it's like they're meant to rattle some of us who are really conscious, who are proudly black and African. So um, I want to appreciate, I think it's it Tan Tangidi um, who, who refers to the formation of the, the PAC and, and actually highlighted the the kind of leadership that uh, Sobuke espoused, uh, the idea of amazing love for one's people. If you, if you are a leader and you don't love your people, then you are not a leader. So we can actually juxtapose that to the kind of, or the crop of leadership that we have had in the post-1994 uh, society. So here's an example. I, I want to get into the mind of a, a colonized leader, actually, a, a colonized black leader and to, to experience what is going on in their mind. How do you move around as a you know billionaire, millionaire and all that, when you see all the squalor, the poverty, you know, the social strife, stress and the crime, crime in our society, and you say you love your people. So I'm just saying, when you look at our leadership at various levels, whether at local, provincial or national level, you look at the 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 the, the, the crest materialism that is being you know displayed and you listen to what they're saying particularly during the voting season or ele- you know the, the elections at time then you just give up to say we we don't have uh, people with consciences in this in, in this country so that I, I want to appreciate that another point that I want to indicate I think I need to respond to the voice note that talks yes. about, uh, we not uh, shouldn't be referring to ourselves as uh, black and you know, things like that. Yes, I'm tired yes. of such arguments, uh, KG, because we know that oppression is is based on race. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be pretending that there is no color in this, and then you start preaching, you know, color blindness, then you want to suppress our 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 effort and our cry and vigilance to strive for true freedom, not fake freedom that we have experienced since 1994. So when you say we, we are just a rainbow nation, and it, that's, that's, it's nonsensical actually in the sense that when you say the rainbow, you are just bringing an idyllic, uh, or an idyllic picture, which is a fantastical portraiture of the South African society, which is misleading. So in fact, the rainbow concept was imposed on South Africa because people just bought into it uh, when someone just announced it and without looking at the uh, situation on the ground, who who is dying in pit toilets uh, every day in, in, in the in the schools? Who is living in shacks? Who is the employer? Who is the employed? Who is protesting every day? Who is experiencing all these problems? Who doesn't afford uh, you know generators and in many solar systems when we have electricity challenges? Is black people as opposed to the other races? So the danger of not saying we are black, we are African, and we just say we are just South African, I think is the most uh, myopic way of looking at the reality of South Africa, and which is what the rainbow constitution has done to assume that 
people have got rights and all that. So when you say you have got the right to do something, it's different from you've got the ability to do that. KG, yeah. now you've got the right to live in Santan. Nobody can stop you, but you have the means to go there. So yeah. that's the, the difference between reality and rhetoric. So I'm I'm not one of those people who are stuck to, to rhetoric and buying empty things without analyzing. And as I said earlier on, principle is dangerous and risky in a society such as this one. But at some point, you need to really be forthright and say, no, we are proudly Black. We need consciousness, Black consciousness. If you don't say Black consciousness, uh, as if it's a departure for, from what you think is it's liberatory, I think that's a, that's a problem. We have to be proudly Black. And there's no apology ab about that. And we have to be proudly African from the sense of Pan-Africanism. All these stories about uh, rainbowism and all that, I think is something that many people need to apologize to the masses for misleading them into the state of complacency and myopia. Yeah. Thank you. Where do people read your article? Is it online, by the way, uh, before I let you go? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, it is online. And it's uh, called uh, The Collapse of South Africa, Exposing the Loss of the Conscience of Black Leaders. I'm correct? Co correct, KG. I think that's that, that's how it has been uh, framed. And it's, as I said, it's, there, it's, it's available online. And okay. I think it's a worthy article that people can engage on. Uh, you know, it's not like um, it's, a, it's a Bible, but for me, it's what I believe uh, Black people uh, you know, should should actually be uh, operating from. If we are serious about true liberation, to move away from this fake freedom in this post-1994 apartheid state to what Solomon Matangu, Chris Dani, uh, Robert Sobuke, and many others, including the pre-1912 heroes and heroines of our struggle in the form of the, the kings and queens who confronted uh, white invaders and settlers from 1652 to date. Thank you. I have to let you go because I know our Zoom is going to cut at any moment. But I read the article twice. Brilliant article. Forced me so much to think. Uh, and I appreciate you. And I hope that one day we'll get a chance to talk again on this issue during the course of this uh, Freedom Month. Thank you so much, David. Always welcome. Thank you so much, Keiji. Thank you, David Lizualo, Sankarist, activist and law academic. Read the article. Uh, it's online. It's called The Collapse of South Africa, Exposing the Loss of the Conscience of uh, Black Leaders. It's 11.45. Don't forget, uh, we're going to go to, we're going to have the full circle with uh, Bridget Masinga between uh, one and three. That's a new exciting show that we have here on SFM. And uh, Aldrin Simpier is going to be here between uh, 3 and 6 in the afternoon with Beyond the Headline and MoneyWeb comes with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Fifi Peters and Top Spot with uh, Michael Abrahamson. Listen, uh, you know, we needed to highlight in one way or the other the significance of April 6 because history, as I said at the beginning of the show, ultimately has no blank pages. And the pages get blank when we don't talk about the things that happen. Take the time 
to watch Kalushi, the movie, on uh, Solomon Mathangu if you didn't take the time to read on the history of the PAC. Take the time to read the history of your country uh, so that, uh, you know, you pass the story on to generations and generations to come. Thank you so much to the producers of the show. They work hard. Uh, I'm really just the middleman. Uh, they're the hard workers uh, behind the scenes. It's Lebu Mosweu. He also finds those songs, by the way, not me. He looks for those songs. He finds those songs. And uh, Kanya Bonani, they are the two producers of the show. And I was ably driven by KG. Uh, not me, uh, the other KG is our technical producer on the show. It's time for the book reading. The book reading is Sibathe Rabasotu. It's by Lisiho Monama, and the book is being narrated by Garabo Kholeng.